production of WordSouth, a content marketing company. Story Connect, the podcast, helping communicators discover ideas to shape their stories and connect with their customers. Thank you for listening in today to Story Connect, the podcast. I'm your host, Stephen Smith, and I'm excited to welcome as my guest today, Randy Boyd. He's the commissioner of Tennessee's Department of Economic and Community Development. Uh, Commissioner, it's great to have you today. It's great to be with you. Thank you for taking the time to, to call me. It's a it's a big day in Tennessee. You've, uh, you're releasing the uh, results of a broadband survey that has been uh, taking place for quite some time. Um, Commissioner, why don't you tell us a little bit about this uh, broadband study when it started and and the intent of the study, the purpose, and, and why you got that started. And so the background was when I first took this job in January of 2015, I went around the state doing listening tours and uh, had nine or ten different meetings all across the, the state, usually for an hour, hour and a half. And uh, at every single meeting, at least half and sometimes almost the majority of the meeting, uh, was uh, revolved around uh, communities, in particular some of our rural communities, uh, complaining that they didn't have uh, access to broadband. And they stressed how important they felt that was to their ability to compete economically and, and continue to survive and, and be successful. And so um, I realized this is a, a really important issue. And then we started looking at uh, the landscape and seeing uh, the people that were taking different positions and, and making certain arguments. And I, I quickly realized there were at least three key things that, that were missing. Uh, people use the word broadband without actually specifying what they meant by that. And so recognize that we, did, we needed to have a working definition of what broadband means. And then second, the other thing that was um, usually discussed only by anecdote was um, what percentage of people, how many people, don't have broadband and where are they? Um, there was a lot of uh, you know anecdotes about a, a particular community or a particular person, but we didn't have real stats that we were working from. And the third thing was based on those stats, uh, that definition that determined those that penetration level, um, the third thing was we didn't know how much it was going to cost. So here's a problem we're trying to solve, but we don't have a definition of, of what we're wanting. We don't know who doesn't have it, and we don't know what it costs. So I felt like uh, before we could really have a meaningful conversation, we needed to um, determine the answers to those three questions. And that's so that's that was the the, the genesis behind this motivation and the um, and the, the the primary goal. We added on uh, a fourth element, and that was to look at what other states are doing. Turns out Tennessee is not the only state that has this issue. Every other state has the same issue, and so we decided to survey the rest of the states and see what they're doing. And so we also compiled a list of, uh, of uh, best practices from other states. Okay. And tell us a little bit about how the survey uh, was conducted. How did you actually implement that and, and get those surveys out to the people? Well, so we hired a couple of different consultants, one that would do the survey and another that would help us look at the um, the uh, best practices around the states. And the company that did the survey 
um, did it online. This is a, sometimes people will, will challenge that and say you did a, a broadband survey online. Well, how how can they do a broadband survey if they're um, if, if if it's online? Well, being online and having broadband are two different things, which kind of highlights the, the misunderstanding that a lot of people have. Right. Broadband doesn't mean just being online. It means a certain amount of capacity. But we did do this, and we also did telephone calls and had had uh, interview places uh, or survey places set up at libraries and other public facilities. But our goal was to survey 4,000 people across the state, which the survey takes 20 minutes. And so I remember when the consultants told me that uh, they were expecting 4,000 people to fill out a 20-minute survey, I kind of, frankly, I laughed. I thought, you know, this this just isn't going to happen. Uh, there's no way people are going to take that long to fill out a 20-minute survey. But it turns out we had 23,000 Tennesseans fill out the survey. Was, that consisted of 18,000 homeowners and 5,000 uh Business owners, which um, was incredible, it was uh, almost five times over five times what the consultants were expecting to get from the state, and way beyond what I expected. Which I think tells us uh, one that people feel like this is important, and two, they they care about it enough to to take the time to invest in in doing the survey. Well, you have to be excited about those results. Uh, w- what do you attribute such a response to? Well, I, I think it's just uh, it's the, the things that I was hearing in the town hall meetings. Anecdotally, this statistically bears out that this is an important issue to people, and they they're, they're looking for solutions and are willing to take the time to, to have their voices heard. Now, I know you work through a lot of uh, associations, and uh, of course, talking in a lot of communities to to try to get uh, those groups to encourage their customers also to participate, right? Yes, in fact, uh, TTA was a, a tremendous uh, partner in this. Uh, we, we, it wasn't just sending this uh, out into a vacuum and hoping that people will pay attention to it. Many partners, in particular, a lot of the TTA members, were extraordinarily supportive and and promoted it to their their customers, and um, that that had a a, a big to, uh, part in the, six, the overall success of the survey. Well, let's dive into the results. Then, um, what are some of the the big takeaways? Uh, from the results that you've released today? Well, I think the, the, the key three things that we wanted to, to put out there for us to start having a more informed debate we were able to do um, with a lot of conversation with um, not only the, serv- the, the consultants but with other stakeholders around the state, uh, we did uh, come up with a definition of broadband that I think everybody can work with, and that is 25 uh, down and three up load speed. Um, so um, I think it's this is the this is the FCC standard. It's not uh, something we made up, but this is the one that FCC has been recommending and moving toward, or wanting everybody to move toward. And so it made sense to to be able to just adopt that national standard. And and there hasn't been any any um, real debate about whether that's the the right standard or not. So that's the the one thing that we we've uh, we've we've, we've uh, identified. Um, and then, you know, with the survey, we were able to find out what people's satisfaction was with their existing service. It was kind of interesting um, that uh, 68% of the respondents cited um, the internet speed and reliability as a real important barrier to them participating. Um, we also asked about satisfaction and how that correlates to speed. So if you had 25 uh, uh, up um, the um, megabits per second up, uh, 71% of the household uh, users reported that they were fast enough where if they only had 10 up they um, or 10 down, they uh, felt like only 48% felt like that was fast enough. Um, 
So it, we get all, there's and there's almost uh, 80 pages worth of data around uh, customer perceptions on whether they're happy with their with their uh, current service or not and access. Um, the second thing that we found in the survey was our um, what the what the penetration rates were, and so here's a important. Uh, stat that's real important. 87% of households have access to broadband, leaving 834,545 people without access. Now, while that's interesting, I think the more important uh, note is that um, overall 2% of people in our urban areas don't have access to broadband by this definition, but 34% don't in our rural communities. So there's a Dramatic digital divide between the the cities and the and the rural communities in our state. So that's a, a, a big issue that that we we kind of felt, but we needed to know quantifiably how how big of a differential it is. And then finally, the other the other big thing from the based on those numbers, we were able to calculate a, a cost for the problem, and and what it would cost to solve it. So if we wanted to build out fiber to the home um, with 25.3 the cost would be $1.1 billion to $1.7 billion. There's a bit of a range depending on you know, geography and, and other, other variables, but um, the range is somewhere between $1.1 and $1.7 billion. So I guess when we talk about we're wanting to solve this problem, we need to actually know what, what it's going to cost. Now, it's never implied that the state of Tennessee or any one particular person has to pay this. It'll probably be a combination. But... Um, we do need to know what the what the cost is, and we say this is something that we want. Somehow, somebody is going to have to have to make that kind of investment. Um, however, uh, that's the most expensive option. If we decided to do a, a build out a fixed wireless uh, without 25.3, if you did a fixed wireless across the board, it would be about 500 million dollars to 1.3 million billion dollars. Um, so it would be a less expensive if you. Obviously, if you did the uh, the, the fixed wireless, um, and I would imagine that when we finally come up with a solution across the state, um, it'll be some combination or some blend of of those different solutions. Uh, what are the implications of this digital divide that you spoke of? When you have a society that has uh, that kind of uh, uh, that kind of gap between those who can access broadband and those who can't. What implications does that have for your society and your state? Oh, it, it, no, it, it's it's uh, incredibly significant. In fact, I probably should back up and and re-answer your first question because while we did hear this this issue about broadband and uh, across the state, probably the most the driving factor behind doing the survey and the research was uh, tied to our efforts around rural development. So it turns out in our state that by pretty much every metric, this is the best time in our state's history from unemployment to um, rates being down to 4.1%, household income is the highest it's ever been, GDP is the highest it's ever been. Pretty much every macro state average is uh, at all-time best. So that's great, but unfortunately those averages mass some tremendous disparities. So while we have all that success of our 95 counties, we have 21 of those 95 counties that are in the bottom 10% in the entire United States in poverty, in income, and in unemployment. So we're leaving a lot of our neighbors behind, and one of the things that we wanted to focus on was uh, a way to help our department and the state and, the, and with the governor's leadership to find a way to make sure that um, everybody gets to participate in the success. And so there's a real focus on those rural communities, and many things uh, depend on uh, broadband access. 
So for uh, to really capitalize on new educational opportunities, a lot of it's online. The students need uh, the, that online access. For existing businesses, for them to continue to be successful and grow, they need um, broadband access. For startup businesses um, that are you know, young entrepreneurs, they can they, you, know, you can do business anywhere in the world from anywhere in the world any, to anywhere in the world from anywhere in the world today. But you got to have access. And so pretty much everything that we looked at um, that was going to determine their ability to compete in the world and be successful. Uh, required uh, broadband access. So you know, I do get the question from time to time, well, it, you know, broadband, is that, what, that's got nothing to do with economic development. I think it's got everything to do with it. So that's why we felt like it was important for us to, to help out and, and, and do this survey to, to provide some more information for people to be able to debate and come up with good, good future policy decisions. Well, speaking of future policy decisions, how do you think the, the, the report, the results of this survey, will play into future legislation in the state of Tennessee. So I'm really hopeful that people will read the report and see that we have a broad menu of options. And we can put together with that broad menu some combination that will result in a win-win-win. There are enough different ways to uh, to solve this problem that I think it can be something that everybody can participate and everybody can find a win in. Um, but I'm, I'm also very hopeful uh, and optimistic that there will be some new solutions being proposed uh, next session when the legislature comes back in. The governor's um, extraordinarily interested in this issue, and in the um, press release that we sent out today, um, he he uh, announces that he's going to put together a working group to uh, of of thought leaders, people from the administration, from the legislature, to. Um, help craft some policy recommendations for next year. So I think having the governor step in, take the lead, and uh, and promote this and bring people together, um, I think is is a is a huge sign of something uh, significant and positive to come in the future. Uh, our company, Word South, is a content marketing company that works with a lot of the telecommunications providers, the, especially the cooperatives, as well as some municipal providers who are also uh, providing broadband there. What do you think the message is that these two groups will come away with from uh, this report? Well, I think uh, the, the report will give them a lot of information on um, how uh, much in demand the, the service is in, in their area. And actually, the data can be sliced by county and, and, and even by, by census tract. So you can get very granular information. Um, and that's something that we'll be able to pr- provide on request in the future. Um, so they'll, they'll have lots of information at their fingertips to make good decisions about demand in their area. Um, a second thing is that when we look at the different options that that uh, the, the consultants listed um, from around the country, one of them was an open regulatory environment for the electric co-ops and, and, and suggesting that you know if we really want to reach our rural communities, that uh, having electric co-ops as a uh, a part of the team, a part of the solution is is definitely one that should be considered. Again, there's there's probably 30 different solutions recommended or options recommended. We can't do all 30. We're going to have to figure out what we can afford to do and what uh, politically we can get done. Um, but that's definitely a, a, one of the stronger options on the list, and and I'm hopeful that uh, um, that your members will be a, a key player in in providing this solution in the long term. Well, that uh, and that leads me to another question. I know in in uh, some surrounding states there there have been um, efforts made 
that may or may not take into you know statewide efforts uh, for broadband that may or may not take into account the efforts that the uh, the independent uh, local exchange carriers have made in building out their own systems. Among those solutions that are uh, put forth in this uh, report, are you encouraged that those incumbent providers, the the work that they've done to to build out their systems, will serve as a a foundation for some of the solutions, and that they will be you know involved in those solutions? Well, I think they could be. You know, it's well, there's, I guess two big variables. One, they they would have to want to, and I'm hopeful that they would. But then the other big variable is we do have to change our regulatory environment um, that you know there's certain. Uh, things that prevent them from from doing so, but um, I'm optimistic. I, I think a lot of the people that we've we've talked to, other key stakeholders, believe that the electric co-ops have a have a, have a big role to play. Um, if we can find a way to make sure that it's uh, it's done so in the in a, in a not anti-competitive manner, if we can find a way that that uh, uh, it seems fair, um, I think it's uh, something that I'm hopeful will be be considered and 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 looked upon favorably. Um, I don't think my personal view is that there's not any one group, other stakeholder in the state that's not participating now that um, if we did get them involved could make a bigger difference in, in broadband access than our, our electric cooperatives and the TTA members. So I don't get to make the decision. I, I'm just a lowly commissioner. The uh, the governor and the legislators uh, are the ones that will look at this information, and I'm hopeful they'll consider it all uh, and and and, and uh, Hopefully, uh, come up with some some very wise decisions. But I think there's just so much interest in this this issue. I think uh, it's not going away, and I think there's enough um, momentum, and enough interest, uh, and now enough information for them to make some wise uh, decisions that'll move us forward next year. Uh, certainly, I'm, I'm, and I'm hopeful there with you too. Uh, I was at the uh, conference, I believe you were too, last week of the Tennessee Municipal Electric Power Association. Oh yeah. And I know that group is very interested as well in uh, this report and, and and what the what the outcome is going to be and what the solutions uh, that are going to be put forth. So you feel like that uh, municipal broadband, municipal electric companies also have a role to play. Well, they you know they play a role now, um, and so um, I guess what what their role in the future would be will be one of those things that the the legislature will have to take up and, and debate. I know it's been something that's been. Uh, Discussed thoroughly and uh, over the last couple of years, and I'm sure they'll continue to discuss that. Um, but um, again, you know, where, where, they're, where they're providing service now, they're doing a, a tremendous job in in, the, in their service areas, and so they're they're already a key player. Now, the uh, Tennessee Advisory Commission on Intergovernmental, uh, Intergovernmental Relations, the TASSER, had released mm-hmm. a report uh, earlier. Do do you see any opportunities to integrate those two reports? Oh, absolutely. Actually, you know, in, in, in one sense, TASSER is our customer. Um, we're, we're providing the report for them. Um, and they've been, you know, they've been deliberating on, uh, on this for, for some time. And so we're, we're hopeful that the report will be, uh, uh, an add, a value add for, for their continuing discussions. But TASSER has, uh, been a, you know, been the, the leader in this, this project. And so we're, we're hopeful just to be able to supplement their efforts. Okay. I see. Um, our audience for uh, this podcast uh, consists of uh, a lot of communicators who work at uh, telcos, municipal systems, electric cooperative. Uh, what message do you think they should come away with uh, from this report? And um, what message do you think they need to be communicating to their customers? 
Well, I think there, um, I guess it's to be determined. I guess it depends on how legislation uh, potentially changes next year. So right now, I, I guess maybe I wouldn't necessarily suggest they communicate anything. But but they, if they if they have an interest in the in the issue and they feel like it's um, something that's a an opportunity for them and they're wanting to get involved, maybe actually just uh, the communication with their their leadership, their legislative uh, representatives would be would probably be wise. Um, but uh, um, I think if um, any legislation passes that would allow them to to uh, have a more open regulatory environment and, and provide these services, I'm hopeful they'll be very aggressive in in finding partnerships and, and finding ways to be able to provide this to as many uh, of our rural uh, constituents as, as possible. There's a there's a desperate need out there and. It's critical to the the, the future of our, of our state, its, it's, it's economy, and, and the, the, if this happens, the electric co-ops are going to have a huge role to play in, in making us uh, successful. Great. Well, I certainly appreciate you uh, joining us on the, the podcast today, and um, I know that a lot of this information will play out and become uh, more evident of what the results really mean as time moves forward, right? Yes, Absolutely. Again, my, my, my final comment would be just that I hope that everybody takes um, the information and looks at the, the, the nine out of ten things that they could agree on and find that is positive, and let's, let's focus on all the things we agree on and that's positive. I'm sure that most people will be able to find at least something that they disagree with, um, but um, I hope we don't throw the baby out with a bath just because you, you disagree with one, one point. Um, that, uh, and again, these are just recommendations. They're, I mean, or, or options are not necessarily recommendations. Um, and, but hopefully people can put together a, a suite of solutions that, that everybody can, can win with and everybody can agree with, and, and I'm hopeful that will be the case. Well, it sounds like it's an excellent starting point for that. Uh, we appreciate you uh, joining with us today. My guest has been Randy Boyd. He's the commissioner of Tennessee's Department of Economic and Community Development. We will have uh, links in the show notes to the uh, reports that have been issued uh, as a result of this broadband survey. And uh, so be sure to take a look at those and start looking over the data. Thank you for joining us on Story Connect, the podcast. And until we meet again, keep telling your story. You've been listening to Story Connect, the podcast, a production of Word South, a content marketing company.